35 years of my career working for and with women has taught me a lot. It actually means I see how women who come to be part of my world, I see how they change their behavior in certain environments. It's really interesting. I see how powerful women leaders have had to build certain skills to survive and thrive in these male-dominated and male-designed environments. I never built those skills. And because of that, I actually get to see some things super clearly that other people might not see. I see how powerful women defer to more junior men. They listen to their ideas sometimes as if they're gospel. I've seen how they coddle them, give them extra airtime, and don't challenge them like they do other women, and so many other things. I'm talking about people who are the most influential women in the world. I know them. I work with them. And I see it. Welcome to How Women Inspire, where women lead, invest, and give. I'm your host, Julie Castro Abrams, founder and CEO of How Women Lead, and managing partner of the venture firm How Women Invest, feminist, social justice warrior, mother, friend of 50,000 plus badass women, and an expert at helping top executive women get on boards and break down barriers for women entrepreneurs, investors, and social impact activists. In this podcast, we interview women influencers and leaders from across the globe who are in the C-suite, founding companies, investing, and agents of change. We'll share stories of how women lead. We'll provide insights and data, tips you can put into action, and get to know the women who have fiercely and unabashedly stepped into their power in leadership and opened doors for other women like you. We discuss topics ranging from the journey of getting a board seat, how we can counter cultural frameworks that change the way the world views women leaders, what we're doing to close the gender funding gap, and driving equity for women in all aspects of life and career. My goal is that after every episode, you walk away feeling inspired, unstoppable, ready to level up and step into your power and influence. I want to break down the cultural narratives that hold us back collectively and those messy messages you heard that are taking up way too much of your brain space. I want you to know you're invited in because I know that together we can change the culture change opportunities, and create the future we want for our daughters and sisters and friends. This is our time. Are you in? Welcome to today's episode of How Women Inspire. This is a really special one for me. It's really about how we can all be better with and for each other because our culture can be absolutely brutal for women. It divides us and it prevents us from progressing. It's time we change the culture of how we are together so that all women can feel like they have a path forward and do it with less battle scars. I want to share a quick story. After 23 years at Deloitte, my friend Deepa got sick. And ultimately, she had to leave her job. She started looking at what was going on for her and also a lot of the women that she saw around her. So along with Deepa, many women of color who've had corporate careers that were cut short seem to be coming out of the workforce in droves. Thousands of women have faced unsustainable practices at companies 
and the employers have lost tremendous leadership and talent. Deepa's unfortunate experience was the catalyst for her to become an author, and she conducted countless hours of research, which inspired the early stages and basis for her book, The First, The Few, The Many. This book uncovered the extraordinary cost in terms of health and lost economic opportunity, which can be traced back to hostile work environments where women, in particular women of color, must absorb microaggressions over and over. The cumulative effect is a stunning over 80% get sick, and it can be traced to the work environment. I hope that as you hear this, you feel like I do, which is just that your heart hurts thinking about the fact that it's just been too hard for women. And I think that after a career already, I wanted to do things differently. I'd worked running women's organizations for a long time and I saw the good and I saw the bad. And I spent 20 years trying to refine and define a way of being that's better in the world. And of course it starts with me. I mean, I haven't always been my best self. I grew up in the culture like all of us, a culture that tears down women and has created a number of other elements that just aren't good for us. So When I founded How Women Lead, I brought together women I admire, respect, and really idealize as the leaders we want to see. I invited all of them to come together and really come together to make the world a better place and to make it more equitable. For years before the launch of this organization, I had worked on equity and economic access for women. I met influential women along the way, and I invited them. I invited them to come to dinner and to talk about topics and issues of women's leadership and found that everyone showed up and leaned in so heavily. Every single person commented on the magical safe space that they found in this community. I was creating something that inspired. And a friend of mine, Jean Ann Nichols, challenged me and she said, you need to quantify this and document this magic so it repeats and grows. And this challenge turned into a really beautiful thing. Frankly, the most beautiful thing I've ever been a part of. I operate How Women Lead and our family of organizations, and it's with a countercultural framework. So just to be clear, I grew up in a negative culture, which I mentioned earlier, and I've participated. I've done those things. I've been impacted by them. I've colluded with a culture that hurts women. I've participated when people tore down women who were very visible. So I'm on a journey to be better, and I have some unique things about my life that actually give me an interesting perspective. I've never worked for a man. I can count on one hand how many men I've actually worked with. 35 years of my career working for and with women has taught me a lot. It actually means I see how women who come to be part of my world I see how they change their behavior in certain environments. It's really interesting. I see how powerful women leaders have had to build certain skills to survive and thrive in these male-dominated and male-designed environments. I never built those skills. And because of that, I actually get to see some things super clearly that other people might not see. I see how powerful women defer to more junior men. They listen to their ideas sometimes as if they're gospel. I've seen how they coddle them, give them extra airtime, and don't challenge them like they do other women, and so many other things. I'm talking about people who are the most influential women in the world. I know them, I work with them, and I see it. What I'm talking about today is not really about women in reference to the work environment 
or to men, but actually I want us to think about how we're actually with each other. I became a leader very early in my career. I was 26 when I began to build and lead cultures. I explored what feminist leadership looks like. And to be honest, some of it was bizarre and broken. Uh, when I became the CEO of a women's organization, there was a section on the website for hiring that said it was a feminist organization and it was non-hierarchical. But that wasn't true. Everyone had a boss, including me as a CEO. And for better, for worse, that's the structure that we knew how to all function in. And the hypocrisy of saying that was what was so jarring to me. I can't stand hypocrisy and respect is paramount for me. So I started to interrogate what I inherited and I watched other leaders and I practiced over a career for almost 30 years leading women's organizations. And I've created a cultural framework that's one of the best ways. By the way, if you're creating an organization, creating some version of this credo and reinforcing it all the time is a great way to build a strong culture and sense of belonging and community and movement building. So I believe in creating a clear cultural framework and you just repeat it and reinforce it simply. I'm nowhere perfect, but I have to tell you, this has been pretty magical in my organization. So we created a credo that's countercultural. It invites us to be the opposite of the negative cultural behaviors that hurt women, where we hurt each other and hold each other back. This is the first generation of women with 30 years of work experience. We've got power and influence in a scale we've never seen before. It is a huge opportunity for all of us. And we have a responsibility as a result. We need to step up and change the culture to meet the times and to make it a better environment for my daughter and all of the deepas that are coming up in the world whose contribution can be extraordinary as long as we don't force her into the box designed by and for white men where she gets sick and broken. White men or how we think about European white men in our country today, because previously, you know, there were there'd been hierarchies always, Italian men and a whole bunch of other what we now consider mainstream white men. Italian people, for example, used to be denigrated. But today we've created structures that work and they work for a long time for men. But what we're seeing is now that women are 50 percent of the workforce. It doesn't work for everybody. It's certainly not working for women. Now, to be clear, all men do not thrive in this culture, but that's a podcast for another day. My husband and my sweet son, they just don't fit those models and they're magnificent men and it hasn't been great for them either. That said, today I want us to talk about how we think about transforming how we work and our culture because we have a different population of people working when I was growing up, very few women worked. Today, we literally have been bouncing around 50% of the workforce. In fact, a couple of years ago, women were working at a higher rate than men. And it's certainly not uncommon anymore for a woman to make more than a man in a partnership. But culturally, and it certainly continues to create a strain. It makes it hard for those relationships to be effective. And if we want thriving companies and an economy that works for all of us and grows, we've got to evolve. I'm not talking about blaming. I'm just talking about evolution. So let's be honest about what we think about women leaders. Be honest with yourself. Have you ever participated in criticizing Hillary Clinton or Kamala Harris or Nancy Pelosi? Those are the people I see in the media that get beaten up the most. We've been actively wrestling with what we want to see 
from women leaders for about 40 years. Should she be virginal, intellectual, mothering? Should we, she have honest talk? Should she be have a get it done attitude? Does it help that Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez is beautiful? We've all seen that picture of her in her white suit being ogled by all of the men. I remember in the 90s, the constant conversations about, can we be feminine at work? Because previously women had to act like men. They wore suits like men. We wore those pencil ties and those big shoulder pads. What does a woman leader look like? What does she do and how does she communicate? So this might not be a popular thing to say, but I think in the United States, for sure, women's leadership in many ways is an oxymoron culturally. There isn't a model that we can all follow. We can try and act like men, but it doesn't work well for a very long time. And like Trisha Tim's new book about not hiding who you are, we actually need to find a whole bunch of different frameworks for women's leadership. So if I'm soft-spoken, I can lead. If I'm a masculine presenting person, I can lead. And if I'm a beautiful woman, I can lead. And also if I'm not. Stanford has a great research center called the Clayman Research Center. They wrote a great article about the likability penalty for women. We don't really like women, full stop. You can sometimes walk on a tightrope. It doesn't last very long. We fall off. So how do we pivot? How do we change this? How do we create an environment where women can be leaders in all kinds of ways and not be constantly criticized? because it's impossible to meet this. Well, it's it's impossible to define and it's impossible to meet this standard we all think we're supposed to be meeting. How do we pivot and how do we change? So we, in our credo, which has four things that we ask people to commit to, our number one thing in our credo is to be fierce advocates for each other, even if she's not perfect, to be fiercely supportive of other women around us. So what does that look like in a real action? Well, one, in our organization, because we've asked people to meet the standard, this credo of being fierce advocates for each other, people show up and they feel safe, especially women of color. They feel like it's a safe environment and that white women are going to be decent to them. And that sounds pretty terrible to think about, but that's what women have told me. So we're asking women to be kind and to literally make extra effort to not criticize, to be advocates and support each other, positive support. So to me, that means extending yourself to give somebody positive feedback. 85% of us in senior leadership roles experience imposter syndrome. So when other women have our back and they tell us you're doing great. You're in the right place. I want to support and help you. It actually becomes a beautiful reinforcing mechanism for all of us and makes you want to do more of it. So my first request of all of you is to pay attention, just to be honest with yourself, be kind to yourself on this journey to be better. The culture taught us, taught you and me in a way to not be good for each other, to bash other women. So when you start noticing and start pivoting your thinking when that creeps in, that's my request of you. And then to extend yourself to be fierce advocates. So the opposite of tearing somebody down is to build them up. We all know you need to hear five or six positive things before you can handle hearing a negative thing without really beating yourself up too much. 
Make sure you do those six positive reinforcing messages. Be part of that solution for people. So if all of us make the Girl Scouts pledge to be fierce advocates for each other, we will all feel more confident, more powerful. We'll take risks. We'll step up into leadership in different ways. And that is the beautiful world that I want to live in and I want for my daughter. So I hope all of you will think about ways that you can step in and be fierce advocates for other women. And with that, I want to thank you all for listening to today's episode of How Women Inspire. And because your inspiration should not stop when this podcast ends, head over to our website, howwomenlead.com. Follow us on LinkedIn at How Women Lead and subscribe or follow on your favorite podcast app to find out how you can proactively take charge and step into your power through our workshops and activism in our loving network. We want to propel you. See you next time, ladies. And remember to be unabashedly visible.